Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's podcast. My name is Ashley Carter, and I am the grassroots director at the Independent Women's Forum, where I bring all of our policy issues down to the state and local level. Today, I have joining us Charlotte Hayes. Charlotte Hayes is the director of cultural programs and the senior editor at the Independent Women's Forum. She uh, writes the for the blog at the Independent Women's Forum. She's known for her quick and irreverent sense of humor. She currently writes on several issues of importance to the political level and is a feature writer at the Washington Times. She's had several books. One is Being Dead is No Excuse, the official Southern Ladies' Guide to Hosting the Perfect Funeral, and is also an author of Fortune Hunters a book on what it takes to make a Midas marriage. Her work has appeared also in the Wall Street Journal, New York Magazine, and the Washington Post Book World, as well as the Weekly Standard. I'm very excited to speak with Charlotte today because our topic of du jour is on the passing and the life of dear Phyllis Shackley. I'm glad you can join us today. Welcome, Charlotte. Thanks, thanks. So today I want to talk about uh, Phyllis a little bit, and I want to ask you, you know, she was known as a household name. Can you talk about her rise to being a household name and her involvement with the Equal Rights Amendment and how that all began? Sure, um, and, and I want to say up front that it's really significant that I, that uh, I'm talking with you about this because you're the grassroots uh, organizer at IWF, and Phyllis Schlafly was a grassroots person through and through. Um, I think uh, she became a household name uh, with the Equal Rights Amendment, Ashley. The Equal Rights Amendment was a done deal. Uh, it, it just took a few more states to uh, vote in its favor, and it would be a done deal. And Schlafly stepped in just at the 11th hour. Uh, and she stepped in because, she, uh, for Phyllis Schlafly, the, the, the key uh, issue was always the family. And she felt that the ERA would, would be detrimental to the family. So she jumped in. And guess who she mobilized? She mobilized an army of cookie-baking cookie mothers. Uh, and they, they defeated this all-but-inevitable uh, equal Rights Amendment. And, and um, you know, unlike uh, Hillary Clinton, who, who publicly sneered at the idea of staying home and baking cookies, Schlafly actually asked her army of homemakers to bake cookies. What did they do with them? They sent them to lawmakers who would be voting on the ERA. Now, I'm not saying they had an impact, but this was the way she dramatized uh, her issue. Um, 
she really, really was a grassroots issue, issue-oriented person, and I think she got people who had never, ever been involved in politics involved in politics, uh, housewives, uh, and they were just the opposite of the she-she sort of people you, you see flocking to Hillary Clinton. Uh, Phyllis probably never was at a party at which uh, Barbara Streisand performed, Ashley, um, but she was mm-hmm. just very astute, and she cre- helped create what what became known as the new right or the religious right. And for a certain period of time, they were very, very important and very, very hated by the progressive left. So that's how she became a household name. She was indomitable. Uh, she was courageous. Uh, she was a great leader. And my favorite quote about her uh, so far, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. My, my favorite quote about her is something somebody said to John Fund. Uh, somebody said to John Fund, Phyllis died with her pumps on. She was a gal who wore pearls, suits, and pumps. Uh, she was she was your housewife gone political. I love that you never uh, be you can never guess what a, a, a small group of dedicated moms can do. <laughs> uh, baking cookies and taking over the world. <laughs> Except you, you're absolutely right, Ashley. But let me tell you, this became a, this was a small group of dedicated mothers who became millions of mothers under under Schlafly's leadership. I mean, this is a, a she turned it into a big time movement uh, a, a, for American values and conservative values. And you just you have you have to hand it to her for 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 creating this movement. I really love that. And, you know, after the ERA, it wasn't just one particular issue, one certain issue uh, that she got involved in and then stepped down. Uh, After the ERA, she didn't back down. She kept going and was known as a fierce leader of the conservative movement up until her recent death. As someone who, you know, met her and knew Phyllis uh, since the 1980s, can you speak about her character? Are there any stories you'd like to share? Well, I, as I said, I repeat, I did not know Phyllis Schlafly. I saw her around a lot. Um, I've spoken to her, but I didn't know her. But here's what I, I would like to say about her character. Um, she, she was courageous. She absolutely uh, uh didn't mind being mocked. She 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 could take it. I mean, uh, things got so heated at one point in a debate uh, that Betty Friedan said of, said turned to Phyllis Schlafly and said, "You're a heretic, and I'd like to burn you at the stake." Um, and she <laughs> called she called Phyllis an Aunt Tom. Well, let me tell you, there's one thing Phyllis Schlafly was not. And that's an Aunt Tom. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte Allen, who's one of our senior fellows at IWF, reviewed a book, uh, oh, golly, uh, a biography of Phyllis that came out like, oh, a decade ago. But what she wrote in the book, uh, in this book review, and the book review is headlined, The Great Woman Theory of History. She wrote that Phyllis had an unyielding quality, uh, and goes on to say that this un- unyielding quality was, quote, resol- a resolute refusal to cultivate the intera- intellectual and cultural-, cultural elites of either coast or even the conservative intellectual and cultural elites who were her natural ideological allies, end quote. So basically, Phyllis was unyielding. She had courage. But you know what, Ashley? She also had just a terrific sense of humor. I do remember seeing her sort of 
sashaying around a dinner, dinner, a big dinner during the Reagan years, and, and she was obviously having a fabulous time. And when she gets up to, got up to speak in those days, she always first thanked her husband, Fred, who was a very successful lawyer, for allowing her to make the speech. And that drove feminists absolutely nuts. She really knew how to, how to, how to hand it back at them. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And you talk about a lot about her being uh, the new age, you know, conservative, mo- the modern feminist, uh, the anti-feminist of Betty Friedan, and those most notably known for the feminist movement. Um, could you talk a little bit? And, you know, she did this all in heels and pearls, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit on why she is so important to women in the conservative movement and how she has motivated conservative women? Well, I think she she was she was very very important in her day and remained important until the end. Um, and she was important really because she got women involved in politics. Look, Ashley, as you and I know from working at IWF, the conservative women's movement has changed a great deal. Um, the women at IWF are professional women. They're not uh, mostly not full-time housewives, and most of them don't bake cookies as much as they would like to. But I think Phyllis uh, Schlafly made it. Uh, uh, an accepted thing for conservative women to get out and be involved in politics. And I think in some way, even though the movement has changed significantly, we are all grateful heirs of Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, she, she, she started it. She got the ball rolling. Uh, bravo, Phyllis. Bravo, Phyllis. And, you know, we talk about her ideas. She really was a powerful force in politics. Uh, when, when you know, talking to you and doing a little bit of research, I mean, I found out that a book of hers even became what was known as the blueprint, so to speak, of a past presidential campaign. Uh, can you talk about um, a choice, not an echo, the book, and sure. how it resonated so profoundly with readers? Uh, that it helped to secure the nomination for the Barry Goldwater presidential campaign. Absolutely. Uh, the book came out in 1964, Ashley. It was self-published, self-published. Savor that. It went on to sell 3 million copies. And uh, in a way, I think it foreshadows the, the populist anger that we, we see today. Um, she basically said that the Republican establishment, she called them kingmakers, had been running the Republican Party. Now, I have to say this, Ashley. I I think a lot of the populist uh, anger against the establishment that we see today, maybe it's justified, but maybe it's not. I think um, this anger has been counterproductive. Uh, It it gave the GOP a candidate who uh, may have a very much of an uphill battle to win win the presidency. But nevertheless, uh, a choice, not an echo, really set the tone with with that kind of populism. And... um, it's 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 generally uh, conceded that that she helped uh, Goldwater to get the nomination. Lee Edwards, who's who was a political figure of of that era and is still a, a writer, said that in the key precincts in California, uh, that where Goldwater was expected to do badly, uh, they gave out this book and you know he won those those uh, precincts and they attributed it to this this book. 
Um, I have to say, um, she did. She did help uh, Goldwater get the nomination. She maybe helped Reagan get the nomination, which had a more positive outcome. Um, conservatives like to say, okay, the Goldwater uh, uh, nomination was a huge defeat, but it paved the way for the intellectual. Uh, underpinnings, new underpinnings of the Republican Party. Well, that's true, Ashley, but there's no substitute for victory. And uh, yes, it, it gave the it, it moved the Republican Party to the right. It gave it a new intellectual basis, but it still might have been better to try to defeat uh, Lyndon Johnson. And I worry about the same thing happening with Donald Trump, who got a boost from Phyllis, not as big because she was, you know, in her 90s and wasn't out there as much. But I worry about the same thing because, um, but given uh, how far down the road we are, I mean, this is 19, not 1964 when the Great Society was new and uh, uh, hadn't gone so far. We don't have as much margin for, for error as, as we did back then. I think um, a Hillary. Uh, uh, presidency would cement what Barack Obama did, and I think the country would, would really be in a, on, a, on a different path. It would be almost uh, impossible to change. So, um, you know, in this way, I think Phyllis's legacy is maybe maybe uh, dubious. Uh, not, I, I don't want to use the word dubious, but I, but I want to say maybe uh, the, the conservatives can't afford another Goldwater loss. Ah, interesting, because I was just going to follow up on that, uh, because in one of her last writings, she made the case for Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States, even calling him the last great hope for America, which, you know, in today's age, as we see day in and day out on the television, um, that put her at odds, and it puts her at odds with many in the conservative movement who uh, may not find Donald Trump to be a uh, conservative ideal for the movement. And, I mean, what do you think about her persuasive arguments? And um, she even went as far to say that, you know, he provides a radical redirection of America if he's elected. Uh, Do you think it will, will it actually set America back on the path of Reagan's conservative revolution, as she say, mate? might happen. Um, Ashley, let me answer this pro- question and by fudging a little bit. Um, <laughs> let me let me sort of redirect it. I'm not going to sort of evaluate uh, Phyllis Schlafly's endorsement, but here's what I will say: um, her endorsement of Trump makes perfect sense. It was just mm-hmm. inevitable that this would be Phyllis Schlafly's last hurrah. Miss Schlafly mobilized an army of housewives, the not chic women. Uh, unlike the women who supported liberal causes, unlike Hillary Clinton. And Trump has mobilized pretty much the same army, the non-chic people, or, as Hillary Clinton would call them, the deplorables. Now, Trump (laughs) and Phyllis Schlafly have a lot in common. They see the people that Hillary Clinton sees as deplorable as the backbone of America. Uh, these are the people who see the dangers of immigration without assimilation. Uh, they don't want a post-constitutional Supreme Court. And they want economic revival instead of redistribution. So Trump and Schlafly led the same army. But she was earlier. 
uh, and she was just as unpopular as Trump, and just as unwill and just as willing to wear unpopularity as a badge of honor. Um, now, where a lot of conservatives see Trump as the anti-Reagan, uh, Schlafly didn't. And you know, as you know, and as you just mentioned, her her book, The Conservative <laughs> Case for for Trump came out the day after she died, and it, 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 the authors of that book have this sentence, like Reagan, Trump, if elected, will inherit an America on the ropes, an America transformed into an unhappy, unprosperous, weakened, and divided nation. I think we can all say that she got that right, um, and, and, and she obviously hoped uh, that Trump, as Reagan did, would turn this around. Um, you know, I think what she failed to see uh, is that Trump didn't really know, doesn't really know the issues. He appears not to have thought about some of this stuff until he got the nomination. However, I think she's she's uh, onto something here. He has good advisors. You know, he's not like Reagan, who had a finely honed philosophy, who knew what he was doing. Um, but if he gets the right people, he does have a have a have a possibility of doing things that would help America. Uh, and, and I also happen to, to be coming to the conclusion that his temperament is really better than Hillary's. I'd rather have somebody who occasionally is outrageous, a la Harry Truman, than somebody <laughs> who, who won't tell us anything. So I, I think that, um, you know, she might have been on to something in this. And, and uh, I, I just want to read um, another quote from, from the book that Phyllis wrote with two authors. I'm calling her Phyllis. She probably would like to be called uh, Mrs. Uh, Schlafly. Donald Trump is the most controversial Republican candidate since Barry Goldwater and could be the most conservative and successful since Reagan. Well, God bless. I, I hope it works. Uh, and just one other thing. I said Mrs. Schlafly. I was very careful to do that, Ashley, because you know what she said? She said, don't call me Ms. Ms. stands for misery. So, look, uh, she was a great, a great woman and a great lady and a great leader, and we all owe her something. I, I do want to say that so many of the issues that she fought for and succeeded in her day um, have been lost today. Um, and you know maybe with with her last hurrah for a, for uh, Trump, she was trying to 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 make a comeback and to turn things around like she did in the seventies with the ERA. So uh, Phyllis Schlafly, great lady, rest in peace. Well, there you have it, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to see in just a couple months, uh, uh, perhaps that her writings and her ideas will come to fruition. Uh, with that, thank you, Charlotte. I want to, uh, I greatly appreciate that you're speaking with us today on this podcast about Mrs. Black Lady, uh, a great woman, a great motivator, and a great grassroots uh, activist for the conservative movement. Uh, she will be missed. And uh, with that, we give our condolences to her family and to those who knew her best. Charlotte, thank you for thank having you again. Also, for we didn't touch on one thing, her great hairdo. Um, she <laughs> never had a hair out of place. It was the helmet do. It was the do my mother had. And I look fondly upon it. <laughs> All right. There you go. And we've got curls, pumps, and now a hairdo. 
And she did it all by motivating moms with cookies. Uh, thank you guys so much for having us. Please tune in again, and we look forward to having you on the Independent Women Forum podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.